Hi everybody, this is Don Newman and this is Living a Life Worth Remembering. I'm so excited, this is the very first episode that I'm recording uh, in this show that's all about leaving a legacy. Let me tell you what this show is about. This show is all about answering this question. How can you and I live a life that lives on even after our own lifetime has ended? You know, think of famous figures in history like George Washington and Helen Keller and Mother Teresa and even uh, Dr. Billy Graham and Martin Luther King Jr. All of these individuals lived a life that is still living today through stories, through all kinds of books and literature. There are even buildings that are named after these individuals. But you don't have to be famous to live a life that's worth remembering. I think about my great Aunt Epsi, and uh, although uh, she lived uh, many years ago, I'm still telling stories about her prayer life. I'm still telling what kind of impact she had. Uh, my dad, who recently passed away in the last couple of years, uh, I'm sharing stories every day about his life. His life is continuing to live. And so all of these individuals, when you really look at them, they created ripple effects in the past that are still creating waves today. And so what I want to do is I want to take time to talk about a lot of things uh, with our time together. I want to talk about everything from work uh, to relationships to money to prayer and our relationship with God because all of these things that we do in life, they affect our legacy. Uh, the way we live today is how we create the stories that are told and retold tomorrow. So we're going to begin to do that today. My very first episode is all about working with people. And so uh, the title of this episode is Winning with People Because You Never Win Alone. Now I want you to think about that. Uh, how many times have you ever uh, felt like in your life that you really, really wanted something? Maybe you succeeded in uh, an athletic event, or maybe you achieved a, a an award for something that you did. You know, many times you might be the only person that's receiving that reward, but there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people that were involved in that process. As I think about my life, I've done everything from being a high school football coach to working as a state trooper to serving uh, others as a pastor. I was a pastor in several churches, including the one that uh, Tracy and I planted. Currently, I'm an executive director at a large Christian publishing company, and through all my experiences, I can honestly tell you, I've never seen anybody win alone. Everybody I've seen succeed, there were other people, there were other people involved in the process. And I think about the great leaders that we've seen over the centuries, and you'll see that they had people around them, people involved with their life, and there was somebody that really, really invested into their life somewhere in the process that helped them get that win. And so I love these statements. Michael Jordan made this statement, talent wins games, but teamwork and intelligence wins championships. That's so true. That is so true. You can have a very talented person that can win one game, but to have a team win a championship, you've got to have a group of people that are working together. Helen Keller made this statement, alone we do so little, but together we can do so much. I mean, her life is one that has been a memorable life. Think of the stories that are retold about her life and the influence that she's had, even on the current generation. In every place that I've ever worked, I've seen that it takes other people to make you a success. 
And so we want to talk today about what are the ways that all of us can be successful. So actually, there are four ways that I want to share today on how you can win with people. The first way is this, help others become successful. The great Zig Ziglar made this statement, you can get everything you want in life if you'll help other people get what they want in life. Now just think about that for a moment. Uh, we get so focused on what we want, and many times you can fail short of getting what you want in life, or you come up short. And that statement says, if you'll focus on others, if you'll help them get what they want, if you'll help them succeed, you'll succeed. You know, to me, that means, Dad, you know, when you, your children, if you'll invest in your children and you'll take your son and you'll help him succeed in his baseball uh, game or his sport or his, your daughter, uh, if you'll help her succeed in what she's doing, uh, you'll succeed. I, I saw that happen in my own life. My dad, who worked as a federal prison guard, he'd work all kinds of hours, uh, a lot of midnight shifts. But I can still remember him coming in on Saturday morning, tired from working all night long, and I'm getting ready for my baseball game, which was that morning. And my dad would skip going to bed and would stay up and start working with me to help me get ready for my game. And I would see him make these sacrifices again and again with my brother. Uh, I would see him uh, go into uh, the football field that we uh, lived near and he would go and run pass patterns and actually catch the football and help my brother develop as a quarterback. And all along, my dad continued to serve as a correctional officer in this federal prison. And it wasn't until later that I learned that he actually gave up opportunities to promote and opportunities to actually advance his own career uh, because he would have had to have moved to another location or to another city. And he decided, no, I want the family to live here because our kids are in a good school, our kids are in a good area. And so he gave up a lot to focus on us, but I never forget what my dad said. He said the greatest reward in his life was when he was able to go to my football game on a Friday night and then we'd get up on Saturday morning and drive to Atlanta to go to my brother's game at Georgia Tech where he was playing college football. And my dad said, everything that we gave up, everything that we did was worth it to see you guys succeed. So that's real success. And so I wanna encourage you, uh, whether you're a manager or a leader, uh, look at how you can make the people around you uh, become successful. How can you pour into them? Because if you'll make others successful, you'll be successful. Number two, the way that you can win with people is not only help others become successful, but you can win with people if you'll value everyone on your team. Now, what do I mean by team? Well, team can be your family. It can be your team at work. It can be your church if you're a pastor. It can be your classroom if you're a teacher. Uh, value everyone that's on your team. Uh, I love this story of Gordon Bethune, who was the CEO of Continental Airlines in the mid-90s. Prior to Gordon Bethune taking this position, Continental was actually in decline to the point of almost going bankrupt. In fact, they were losing, I believe, almost $900 million a year. And that's a lot of money to lose. He comes into Continental and the very first thing he does is he gathers the leaders around and he says, we've got to find a way to fix this. And what I want to do is I want us to find where we're dead last at, where we worst at. 
In fact, the title of the book that he wrote is called From Worst to First. And as they gathered together, what they discovered was where they were worst, where they were last, was in performance and customer service. They were known to leave late and arrive late. So if you were a business leader and you were trying to catch a flight to make sure you were at a meeting on time, uh, you would avoid Continental because they almost left late every single time. And so he was determined to fix that. He said, everything that we're going to do is going to start right here. So he gathered everyone together. And what he did is he said, I am going to pay everybody in this company a bonus if the planes are, arrive on, leave on time and arrive on time. And so he instituted this on-time bonus that everyone got. So in one of his meetings with several of his uh, leaders in the different departments, one individual brought up this question to Gordon Bethune, said, you know, I understand why the pilots are getting the bonus and I understand why the baggage handlers are getting the bonus, but I don't understand why the, why the people taking reservations over the phone are getting the bonus. They don't have anything to do with the planes leaving on time and arriving on time. And Gordon Bethune, who was a great uh, collector or admirer of watches, actually held his watch up uh, in front of the group that he was talking to to answer the question. And he said, you see this watch right here? This watch is made up of everything from gears to screws to a second hand to a minute hand to the actual, the actual face. So many different parts. Some are large and some are very small. Uh, would you mind telling me which part on this watch we don't need? And the guy just kind of shook his head because he got the point that every single part on that watch was needed and they were all important. And Gordon Bethune made that point because he wanted everyone to know that we either win together or we lose together. And he, he instituted that so that everybody had skin in the game. He valued everybody. And you've probably heard stories of great CEOs that were known for valuing the janitor that came in at night and cleaned the office as much as they would value a senior VP. And that type of valuing actually builds more unity and builds the team more than anyone could ever realize. So if you want to really, really be successful and you want to win with people, begin by valuing those people, even the very least of them. The third way uh, you can win with people is what I call overcoming FOMO. Well, you've probably heard that term before. Uh, FOMO, fear of missing out. So many people miss the opportunity to win with people because simply they're afraid that they're going to miss out on their own opportunity. I know I've done that before. I know I've been actually so focused on something that I thought I had to achieve that I missed the opportunities that were real close to me, the ones that really mattered. And so one of the uh, best illustrations of this comes from the movie Mr. Holland's Opus. I love that movie. If you've ever seen it before, it stars Richard Dreyfuss, and it's the story of Glenn Holland, who was a musician, also a composer, who had to take a job at a high school to teach high school students music to make a living. And so uh, the story goes that uh, Glenn Holland had this dream of composing a great piece of music, a symphony. And that was his dream, but he had to put that on hold or off to the side 
so that he could go to work at this high school and teach these students. And so early on, you see his reluctance to take this position. Why? Because it wasn't his dream, but he had to take the position. And so in the very beginning, you see his wife actually encouraging him by pushing him out the door. You've got to go do this gig is the term she used. And he went out the door shaking his head. And as he came into the school, you could see the look on his face, like, how long am I going to have to do this? Well, in the movie, you can tell he's ready to get this over with quickly and get back to his dream. But year after year, and then decade after decade passes by, and it's the 60s, and then it's the 70s, and then it's 80s. And here's Mr. Holland continuing to teach students in this school. And he's actually very engaged with the students. Uh, he has some different periods that he goes through and has an identity crisis at one point but he actually really cares about the students and really cares about music. But again, he's having to put his dream off to the side. Well, the movie ends up at the end where Mr. Holland finally has to retire because he's been there for 30 something years, but there's budget cuts going on in the school with the music program. And on the day that he retires, he's walking out with his wife and his son. And as they pass by the auditorium, he hears music coming from the auditorium and singing and so he shakes his head like what is this about and as he goes in he finds the auditorium completely packed with former students and current students that he had taught over the last three decades and the look on his face as he realizes they're all there to celebrate him and wish him uh, and congratulate him on the years that he served and as he makes his way down, it's really cool to watch how he looks and he catches someone's face that maybe he taught back in the 70s or maybe back in the 60s. And all along, you see him seeing people that he impacted. And I love where uh, he, moves his, he moves to the front of the auditorium and one of the students that he had really struggled with, she went on to become a very famous politician. I believe she was the governor. She makes her way in to actually, actually introduce uh, Mr. Holland to everyone and to share a couple of thoughts. And as she makes her way to the stage and has Mr. Holland come up, they actually pull the curtains back and all of some of his key former students are actually assembled with their music instruments. And this uh, governor, she actually makes this statement to him. And this is, this is, this is really brings it to where I want to bring it. She makes the statement that Mr. Holland was working on what he called his opus or his symphony and that that was going to be his legacy. But she said, that's not really just going to be your only legacy because all of us are your legacy. All the students that you see here, we are your living legacy. And you think about where he ended up and he missed what he thought was his goal and dream, but he found out that he really got what he wanted and that was a legacy and it was through all of these students and so as you look in your own life look and look at things and, and and ask yourself this question how can I really really focus on people and still pursue my dream how can how can I really really bring this about so don't let FOMO don't let fear of missing out cause you to miss the places that really have value and so that brings us to the last uh, point I want to make on how you can win with people. And that is, don't try to please everybody. 
<laughs> you know, one of the ways that you can make yourself miserable is trying to please every single person. You know, you think about leaders it, that have gone on to uh, lead great organizations and build collaboration. Uh, there's somebody along the way that they haven't pleased. Uh, if you try to please everybody, you're not going to please anybody, especially yourself. And so take these four things and begin to take which ones really, really stick out to you and, and begin to put them into place wherever you're at. Put them into place in your family. Put them into place where you work at. Put them into place to the uh, organizations that you're a part of. And as you see yourself connecting more and more with people and helping them achieve their goals, helping them succeed, you're going to find that you're going to succeed. And so I'm so thankful we got to spend this time together and share a little bit on how you can win with people. Uh, again, you win with people because you never win alone. Uh, I look forward to uh, being able to share other things in the future. I want to encourage you to not only subscribe to this channel, but share it with others. Share it with others that you think would benefit from this. And I'll look forward to sharing more with you in the future on how to live a life that's worth remembering. Thank you.